2: League show. Bournemouth tame the Terriers. Nathan Jones finds Utopia in Hull. Reading ints themselves further from trouble. Scruffy QPR fall to posh yet again. There's a big shock in League One and Cooper's no longer at the wheel for Barrow. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Here we are again then, gang. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, here to talk you through everything that happened in the EFL this weekend in the company of the former Arsenal and more winger Adrian Clark. Hello, Matt. Swindon Town Hall of Famer, Sam Parkins with us. Afternoon, Matt. And the host of the Athletics football podcast and more Flo Lloyd Hughes is back to iFlow.
3: Hello, Matt. I was worried you were going to go something about landlords because that's what my intro seems to be on like any single bit of content <laughs> I do at the moment. So I was a bit worried, like not another reference to landlords. So I'm glad it's not about uh, the housing market anyway.
2: No, I thought I'd pick one of the the podcasts that you host and I I whittled it down from the uh, initial 307 that I had and that's the one that we went for (laughs) um, this week. Uh, Now, Abby's just put in in the script that she and I uh, share, FA Cup kudos to Borough and Forest. Hmm. Adrian are they worthy of kudos they both lost Middlesbrough were beaten within half an hour were we a bit disappointed by the the respective efforts Forest played all right but Liverpool always had another gear to go to
4: I commend both teams actually I think that they didn't park the bus they they went for it they tried to be aggressive they tried to get in the faces of the opposition just weren't quite good enough Middlesbrough were definitely a little bit outclassed by Chelsea played well Liverpool reserves just about had enough, didn't they? For for Forest, but I think, yeah, they come out come away with credit, created some good chances. The goal was really tight cool. The miss from Zinchenko was was a big one, wasn't it? So now I think Forest Forest especially can can come out of this cut run feeling really good about themselves. So yeah, it just wasn't meant to be.
2: Uh, well done to both sets of supporters. Definitely magnificent atmospheres at, at both games. And a shout out to the Forest supporters group, Forza Garibaldi, who organised that magnificent display when the teams came out. Uh, that's enough FA Cup. Let's head to the Championship. In the Championship, Bournemouth strengthened their grip on second place with a 3 0 win at Faltering Huddersfield. Lutner up to third after a comfortable victory at Hull. Reading earned a huge win in their fight for survival, beating Blackburn by a goal to nil to move five points clear of danger. Millwall and West Brom's playoff hopes were dealt a blow by Stoke and Bristol City, respectively. Sheffield United's win against Barnsley lifted them into the playoff places and leaves the Tykes adrift in the drop zone. And Derby still just about in with a sniff of survival, thanks to a 1 0 draw against Coventry. Uh, Let's start with that sensational win for Bournemouth up in Yorkshire. The Cherries picking off the Terriers of Huddersfield and earning a 3-0 win. Uh, Sam, Dom Solanke looked like the star man to me in this game. Someone you and I know very well and and somebody who's been just excellent all season.
1: Yeah, very good. Um, Wonderfully taken goal. Large hand in the the, um, first two. I think he gets himself two assists for that, doesn't it? Considering it was his his shot that was parried for, for Lerma's. So yeah, he was very isolated in that draw against Reddin. we spoke of last week. And I think it's just as simple as Scott Parker's instructions were, were different on this day, probably in the wake of that disappointing draw and the home draw against Peter Bray sent them out. A lot more intensity. Um, they pressurised Huddersfield's two centre-halves who aren't brilliant on the ball. Colwell was probably their best one who was sat on the bench for the opening 45 minutes and and brought on at half time. So I almost feel like I owe Scott Parker a bit of an apology after me and Adrian uh, went for him a little bit on Friday when we were Don't apologize, Sam. Don't apologize. Discussing their woes on a um on a different <laughs> media platform. Um but this is what the fans want to see. You know, they're on the front foot. There was a you know inevitability about that Reading equalizer in the last game and I've got a big long list of pluses for, for Bournemouth at the weekend. I won't bore you with them, but obviously the, the setup, up, um, Kelly defensively back to his best and Mirror and Anthony down the left-hand side, but it's just being clinical. That's That's the biggest thing. You know, you, you get your goals and then they can control the game with their possession-based football. That's the difference to what's been happening in the recent home games.
2: Five points clear of third place with two games in hand, Flo. It looks as if second place is theirs to lose, but they've still got some pretty tough games coming up. West Brom, Sheffield United away, Middlesbrough at home, Coventry, Fulham, Blackburn, Forest. So it's not a given.
3: No, I think on on Quest on Saturday night, Colin was really trying to force uh, Jamie Mackey and George Ellis Hand on, on uh, tipping Bournemouth for promotion. But I think they have a really good chance. I mean... I don't want to be salty, but they do have the cheat codes of having one of the biggest, most expensive squads in the division. So you would put them here in this position with the amount of games to go, you know, at the start of the season and then what they added in January on top of that. So it's not really surprising that they're at this point. And I would yeah, probably say they're definitely the best place. To, uh, to go up in that second automatic spot. But, I mean, they have had some sticky patches this season. So it's whether their confidence is still back where it was. But I do agree with Sam. I think they just look like a much more ruthless side uh, and and more the Bournemouth that we saw at the start of the season uh, on Saturday. And I think Huddersfield were, we're kind of undone by what what they've struggled with the entire season which is they just don't create a lot of chances. They've got I think I was having a look before we before we came on they're 17th in the league for xg and 13th in the table for shots per game. So if if they're tr- if they're wanting to be in and around the playoffs, you know, that they've got to be creating more than that and I think they've been overperforming to get to this stage. Good on the ball are, you know, very solid, organised sides, but when you look at the teams above them, they're far more ruthless in attack, they've got a lot better players going forward as well, so these things seem almost to balance themselves out come this point in the season
4: The third goal was just sensational that was a Premier League quality goal
3: ...up against Turton, towards the left corner of
2: the penalty area Zamora is overlapping, Billing pulls it back, Solanke with the flick and it's
4: 3-0... What a start in the second half! Bournemouth have surely wrapped it up. It's John Solanke's twenty-fourth of the season. Starts with the keeper, beat the press, really slick move, and it ends with a back heel finish. So definitely tipping our hat to, to the players for that goal. I don't know, I think I think me and Sam definitely definitely uh were onto something with Parker and and why he deserved criticism. His team looked like they played with more fun in the game. They relaxed, they they just went for it pressed and they, they didn't overcomplicate it. I actually think that, that Carlos Corbrands may be guilty of overcomplicating Huddersfield. Uh, we've praised how he changes game on game and, and it's worked clearly, but don't know, over the last couple of games. Look at Sorba Thomas. We talked about Sorba Thomas playing up front at West Brom, looking really good. Then he went to right wing back against Millwall. And then in this game, he played on the right wing in a 4-4-2. And, and I looked as, as well at the midfield, I thought... I thought Lerma Cook and Billing really overran there too, of Russell and O'Brien. And Russell's new to the team. O'Brien's been playing wide. I just think maybe they needed to go three midfield for that game. So, so yeah, I think Corbran had a bit of an off day, um, but Bournemouth were superb.
2: Yeah, 15 days ago, Huddersfield had been a point above Bournemouth in second place. Bournemouth now six points clear of third Luton. With two games in hand, Uh, Huddersfield on the slide, but maybe the break for them coming at a good time so they can reset. And now then, Nathan Jones, not a man who sits on the fence when it comes to expressing himself. The Luton gaffer, giddy with glee after seeing his side move up to third, courtesy of a 3-1 win. Uh, Hull, he said, I'm so proud of them. It's magnificent to see where we are in the league. That's utopia. Uh, what's he going to do
4: if they make the playoffs, <laughs> Oh, He's, good. he's yeah, he, he's going to have some kind of orgasm, isn't he? It's it's, <laughs> it's exciting. It's it's exciting times for him. For Luke I wouldn't Town. want to see
3: that. <laughs> no,
4: we wouldn't want to see that. No, no. But he's I I, I really like him. I got gotten great with him as as a teammate. He is passionate. He's so into it. It's unbelievable. He was the same when he was in his early twenties. It's It's, it's, yeah, it's not a surprise to me at all. Um, but third is amazing for Luton, you know, given, given how small a club they are, given the lack of sort of firepower in terms of wages. And this was, this was really nicely done, wasn't it? They pressed Hull City, forced mistakes out of them. They scored a worldy free kick. I mean, that, that was perfection. If you're talking about free kicks. It does not get any better than James Breeze whip over the wall off the off the crossbar, just kissing the underside there. I th- that's one of the best I've seen all season across any of the divisions. And and they're doing it at the moment with loads of centre backs missing. I think three, four, five are out of the team at the moment. So yeah, massive kudos to them. I was looking at, at turnovers because that's what stood out here, Adab you know, Adebeo and and Cornick up front pressing the life out of Hull that's nine goals that have been scored from high turnovers for Luton this season that's a joint high with Fulham um, which is brilliant you know because it shows that they're being assertive they're not a counter attacking side they're assertive they're they're, they're trying to make things happen Um, so yeah excellent absolutely excellent the next four games are huge for Luton Town aren't they they've got Millwall at home Posh away Huddersfield away and Forrest Away now, if they can get a couple of wins out of those four tricky games, then they're right in in with the mix, aren't they? It's um, yeah, it's been an amazing season for them.
3: Um, I also wanted to give a, a shout out actually to um, Luton Town first team coach Alan Sheehan because. I know he's had a massive effect on set pieces there and I had a look and they're just behind Fulham now in terms of number of set piece goals with 15, Fulham with 16. So for Luton to really be up in the quality of their set pieces, he deserves a lot of credit. And I don't even think Bree is the regular free kick taker, but because of so many injuries, he kind of stepped up and took the opportunity and you can see why he might be getting more of those as well.
2: Brilliant for them, but a fifth straight home defeat for Hull. They've only managed one goal in that time too. Uh, Third time was not a charm for QPR, who lost to Peterborough for the third time this season. Posh off the bottom, seven points from safety. QPR, eighth. Flo, they're looking a bit jaded now, aren't they, your lot?
3: Yeah, yesterday was pretty bleak, to be honest. It was a rare trip not working uh, at the game for me, and I was really looking forward to it. Very excited. Uh, Got off to a really good start. Luke Amos scored a brilliant goal. But the team is, I think, is really lacking a lot of confidence at the moment. Even though they're taking the lead in some games, took the lead uh, at, at Forest midweek as well. But when things start to unravel, it kind of descends and collapses very quickly. And the mood in the camp's getting a little bit kind of negative, a little bit panicky. There are some some injury issues, but there was some substitutions that were made when QPR went 3-1 down. Mark Warburton made a triple substitution. He took off Luke Amos, the goal scorer, who was by far the best player on the pitch, uh, the most energetic player, was making things happen. He took off him, took off and- Andre Gray, who's actually in good form, even though he's you know not the fastest, sharpest anymore. He is in good form. And Andre Dezel... And it was met with huge, huge boos. The home fans were not happy. Um, And there was even this awkward moment where it looked like Jimmy Dunn was going to come off and then the PA announcer had to say, oh, no, correction, it's actually Andre Dezel. It was just always just awkward and kind of chaotic. But there is nothing more embarrassing than losing to really poor sides. I think QPR fans and probably the players, and Warburton admitted this himself, they're more than happy if, you know, Fulham or Bournemouth come to town and play them off the park but I think to let a team like Peterborough do what they did in that second half they were by far the better team in the second half Jack Marriott scores an absolute screamer which he gets once every maybe like two years but it was you know had all the time in the world to pick to pick out his shot it's just I think it's just really frustrating and I don't know if the international break's coming at a good time or a bad time because they definitely need to reset but you, you now sort of feel like, well, what is what is there worth fighting for now? And I feel like they could be slipping lower and lower down the table and could end up in, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th, come the end of the season.
1: I might as well have my moan. Um,
4: <laughs> I, I
1: don't disagree with anything Flo said. I, I, what I do disagree with is Jeff Hendrick and Dion Sanderson getting a little bit of grief. Um, it's not their fault that they were signed in in the window to come in and and add a little bit of depth. I think the problem being is they weren't the right areas of the pitch that QPR needed to strengthen. That is clear as day to me. I've said all season they needed more pace in the squad. And I think because they've struggled with creativity, struggled to get enough goals out of Austin, Gray and Dykes, they they needed another striker. They needed another wide creator to add some pace. Uh, I, I think that's where the mistakes have been made and if it is to to falter at this late stage after what's been a pretty good season, then I think that's the reasons rather than, you know, two players coming that aren't having a great effect. And yeah, it sounded like the, the atmosphere wasn't brilliant yesterday, understandably, given that QPR, did a QPR and lost for the third time against a really poor side.
4: Yeah. It does feel, doesn't it, as if they're they're gonna slide out of it, especially with the you know, teams like Forest and, and Burrow looking to get in. And um, just a quick word on Peterborough, I I just think there's a feeling of what might have been there in terms of the style of football, you know, more attacking, I think, under under Grant McCann. But but also the front two. Marriott has been missing for a lot of the season, Clark Harris has struggled in the previous formation. They've been paired up They've been paired together for periods of the last three games. And I've got my calculator out. They've shared the pitch for 156 minutes across the last three games. And Peter Brilla have scored five goals during that, during that time when they've been on the, on the pitch at the same time, that's one every 31 minutes. I'm not saying that that would be sustainable, but they are clicking and they'll start to believe maybe that they can uh, produce a miracle. I don't think they will, but. If they're scoring goals, which the team are now, you're in with a sniff, aren't you?
2: Right, plenty more championship chat
0: to come after this brief interlude. So, what do you think about this Jesse Marsh then? I quite like him. He's American, and American managers never get relegated, do they? That's because there's no relegation in Major League Soccer. Oh. It would be generous to say Leeds definitely won't get relegated. But if you want generous, try Paddy Power's Bet Builder offer and get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four fold Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 pounds per day. Seven day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18B You're listening to the
5: Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: Sheffield United are up to fifth after they gave their promotion hopes a boost while hurting Barnsley's chances of staying up 2-0 the score at Bramall Lane. Uh, The goal scorers, Sam, both pivotal players at the moment for United. Sander Burge over the last what month or so, but Morgan Gibbs-White has been phenomenal all season.
1: He has and the Barnsley manager spoke about how difficult it is to to shackle him afterwards and summed up pretty well because when you're playing essentially a attacking midfielder off the centre forward, it makes it incredibly difficult for the centre-halves to know where to get tight, whether to follow him into to deep areas. And what I loved about his goal was him gambling and running and beyond. Timing a run, uh, wonderfully found by McBurney, but something that you probably wouldn't associate with Gibbs White. So with a hamstring injury, I think it is for Billy Sharp, his importance becomes even greater for the running. But I think like a lot of the teams, you know, looking at the stats this morning, looking at the run-ins, you know, this is probably going to be a year where we're going to see the teams that are ridiculously organised, that are resilient defensively, um, prosper. Because there's not loads of sides with great deal of flair outside of Fulham and, and Bournemouth, I would say. Think I'd I put Forest actually maybe in that category, Matt, just for you. But you think Thanks. of the other teams up there, Jocelyn, um, Middlesbrough, Sheffield United, Blackburn, there's not an abundance of creativity and goals right now in those sides, I would say. So Sheffield United are so good, especially at home. They've got five of their remaining uh, eight games at Bramall Lane. Sometimes you write down something in your notes, and I, I keep looking at it because I think it can't be right. They conceded one in their last ten at home, which is just astonishing. Going and says to me that they're not going to have to score a plethora of goals to to get where they want to be. So good second half performance was well, certainly a good performance when w- once they went in front. Barnsley really unfortunate. Um, I think uh, Wolf, the midfield player, had two of the better chances in this game at nil-nil and Wes Fodrigan made an unbelievable save. So it probably flattered Sheffield United 2-0, but Barnsley's problems away from home persist. They're the worst in the division now that Peter Brewer picked up a win at QPR. So if they can turn around that, then they're going to have a chance of, uh, of salvaging their season. But yeah, Sheffield United ticking along really nicely.
2: Yeah, I'm beaten at home under Paul Heckingbottom. We, we probably owe him an apology. Uh, as Sheffield United <laughs> pointed out on Twitter, last 63 days they've played 16 games and 29 points and gone from 14th to 5th. Uh, Barnsley, meanwhile, five points from safety. They face Reading in two weeks. And speaking of which, Flo was on hand at the not at all clunkily named Select Car Leasing Stadium, a place named after temporary ownership of a car, fittingly as a team with a temporary manager. save me. Uh, Tell us about this game. The goal was good. The rest of it, not so much.
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams. And I was kind of going to add to what Sam was saying about Sheffield United. There's so many teams in and around the, the playoffs who are having massive injury issues. And I think this game on Saturday was just a prime example of that. And, and with Billy Sharp looking like he's going to be out for a while, Sheffield and I have always, already lost McGoldrick, Brewster and Bogle. And Blackburn on on, on Saturday, still without Brent and He's been out since, I think, the 14th of February. He's been called up to Chile for the international break. I, I think Tony is praying he doesn't get a look in. And I think it's unlikely he's going to play, but he's there anyway. And it's just Blackburn offer so little without him. Um, Kadra went off injured as well in this game, and and Mowbray afterwards wasn't very hopeful on that. So it seems like a lot of those squads who had really good runs on the at the start of the year are now crumbling a little bit and losing some really key players, and I'm I'm just not sure how they're going to sustain. And I would put. Um, Blackburn maybe under the kind of QPR umbrella of of, of drifting out of the the playoff um, positions. I mean, it was a quality goal that won the game for Reading. Josh Lawrence, a, a, unbelievable strike um, out of nowhere, really, because it had nil-nil written all over it. I just didn't see how either team were going to get a winner. Lucas Shaw missed some really good chances in the first half. But yeah, Blackburn just so toothless um, without Brereton. Just don't see them scoring a goal. Um, Gallagher missed a, a good couple of chances. Bradley Dack came off and missed a one-on-one. Um confidence is super low. Um, and I think the fans are getting a little bit upset as well, just about how they're not really being ruthless at all with a lot of decent chances they're creating, but it's I, I feel like they're they're gonna slip out as well.
4: Yeah, it's a long it's a long time for the away. Fans to suffer, isn't it? It's ninety nine days. I think it's probably a hundred days now since they saw their team in the flesh scoring a away goal because the last time they scored away from home was behind closed doors um, in in Wales. So yeah, it's it's been a a crazy run. I think a little bit like uh, QPR with Sam. What he said about addressing the right areas of the team. He wanted more pace in at QPR. I think Blackburn needed to get more of a like for like backup for Ben Brereton Diaz they didn't really do that and they they're they're, en- they're ending up with strikers that aren't strikers you know Kadra's been used up there Buckley's been used up there as a sort of false nine Gallagher can do it but I think he's more effective almost as a as a wide forward so yeah I think I think that they will look back at January Blackburn Rovers and think did we miss a trick there um in light of obviously what ha- what's happened to their main man
1: I think we've missed the trick here. We should have drawn up a old school manager um, bingo for for Paul Lintz. I think a few weeks ago he did uh, too much tippy tappy or something Yeah, yeah, those yeah, lines. Yeah. And then after Josh Lawrence' goal, I, I knew it was coming. I hadn't even seen, seen him do that in training. Straight off the <laughs> straight off the bat, um, just knocking Josh Lawrence down after probably the goal of the weekend. It was sumptuous, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah, he was um, he was full of charm in the post match as well, saying he um, he he was really praying that that Reading would win because it was his wife's birthday and they were going out for a, for a Chinese, I think, and he knew that if they'd lost, he was going to be really grumpy. Didn't want to ruin his wife's birthday, so it was more relief than anything, I think. And you know, looking at the teams around them, I actually give Reading a, a, a good shot now of of widening that gap. Um, still not sure. Why Ince is there in the first place? But I do think you know there is enough attacking quality there. As as kind of chaotic and and calamitous, calamitous as the defence might be, there is definitely enough quality going forward to I think rescue them. But it's a it's a weird old time I think to be a Reading fan.
2: Looks a million dollars though, Paul Ince. I don't think he looks any different to to when he was a player. Um, Tony Mowbray, meanwhile, with with every passing day, looks more and more like an owl. Um all about the late drama at Ashton Gate finished all square between Bristol City and West Bromwich Albion. Uh Clarkie, I've got this down as a point that doesn't really suit either. Another underwhelming home performance from from Bristol City and West Brom need wins if they're going to get back in the top six.
4: Yeah, I just I just don't think West Brom have quite got it this season. They do look better in a back three and they showed a bit of character because from what I gather they were really bad um for the first hour of this game, but they they managed to To find a way, didn't they? Um, But yeah, from, from Bristol City's point of view, it's just summed up their season, didn't it? In terms of giving away leads. It's crazy how often it's happened. 11 times they've conceded after the 90th minute this season. I mean, that's... That's just ridiculous. Um, I think 20% of of all the goals they've conceded have come after the 81st minute this season. So I don't know what that comes down to. I think it has to be mentality. I know they've got a younger team this year, haven't they, under Pearson? So maybe they're sort of switching off and making some rookie mistakes. Maybe not managing games better. I did notice that a few of the fans were, were coming for Nigel Pearson after the game saying, where were the tactical substitutions and i do get it i do get it because most managers have those up their sleeve don't they if you if you're ahead coming into the last few minutes you slow the game down and i think he he had a couple of subs up his sleeve and he he didn't put them on and so yeah that's frustrating but we should we should praise andy Weiman. I, I, it would be wrong not to give him a bit of credit it was a great goal a brilliant volley um old school football wasn't it the long diagonal free kick big header from Atkinson and, and there he was to, to spank it home on the volley brilliant from him and we, we we haven't talked about him enough on this show 18 goals nine assists that's remarkable in a very mediocre Bristol City side and he's played in different positions as well he's not playing right up front he didn't play there in this game either so yeah Andy Viman well played but they've got they've got to learn to to see games out.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think so much praise needs to be had to Vyman as well because without him, they would certainly be in in the relegation zone at the moment because I think he's just inflated their position completely with his goals and I can't believe Nigel Pearson's still there. I think they are one of the worst teams in the division by far. I'm surprised to even see them in 18th right now and I think next season, unless something changes, they're in serious trouble because they're not good at all and I think this... This sort of game was a prime example of, you know, a, a bit of quality from from him giving them a shot, but then the reality of the score that they've got getting them into trouble again. And I just think that, that there needs to be serious uh, bit of overhaul in in the summer. Otherwise, next season they're they're going to be in real trouble, especially with the likes, you know, if, if if it goes like it is now with Barnsley, Peter and Derby all going down. Next season is going to be so tight because, you know, it's, it's a lot of teams who are on the edge at the moment.
2: All right, let's bring in producer Abby to give us some odds on the championship courtesy of Paddy Power. Abby, what have you got for us?
5: Well Matt I'm going to talk to you about the, uh, your beloved Nottingham Forest because they are the third favorites to be in the top 6 come the end of the season they are 4 to 9 uh, Sheffield United the favorites um on the on this list they are uh, 4 to 1 on and Luton 11 to 4 on as well and uh, Middlesbrough are then the fourth most likely to be in the top 6 uh, 2 to 1 on there if you fancy backing forest to win the whole playoffs that's 7 to 2 um but if that's not numbers you like the sound of how about this relegation Derby 100-1 on
2: Excellent Uh, Right We'll check in On League One Next
0: This episode Is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney And Ryan Reynolds Small town Welsh football club Has finally been promoted Into League Two After 15 seasons In the National League Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu.
5: You're listening to The Totally Football League Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostic, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of The Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just one pound a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show.
2: In League One, the leaders Rotherham suffered a shock 3-0 defeat at home to Shrewsbury. Wigan moved to within a point of top spot after breezing past Morecambe at the DW. MK Dons kept pace after a narrow win at Cambridge. Luke McNally scored a 95th minute equaliser for Oxford at home to Ipswich. And Wimbledon dropped into the relegation zone after suffering late heartbreak at Cheltenham. Uh, Cracky Moses, Sam, who saw this coming? Rotherham nil, Shrewsbury three at the New York, New York Stadium. The previously imperious Millers continued to stutter. Just one win in five for them. And we have said that they haven't been at their brilliant best in recent weeks, but 3-0 at home to Shrewsbury. I know they had a man sent off, but this was the, the shocker of the weekend, wasn't it?
1: Well, it's the best, the best thing I've said in the last fortnight was after uh, Shrewsbury's 5-0 win against Morecambe, That was off the back of having 49 shots in the previous three games and only scoring one goal. So (laughs) I I absolutely saw this coming. No, I didn't. Um, So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a bit of a wobble, isn't it, from Rotherham. They lost, I think, three and five at the end of August, September. But obviously at this stage of the season, I think they're 10th in the form guide last 10 games. So they're not at their, their brilliant best, but... I think there's a helping hand from a really poor refereeing decision, to, to be honest. I know Shrewsbury were the better side and the stats backed that up more corners, uh, twice the shots on target at 1-0. They'd started the game brilliantly, but we know that Rotherham are a, a strong team. It, it's not a red. It's maybe a yellow because it's a bit clumsy at worst. So that's had a big effect on the game. Um, but from that point on in the second half, um, Steve Cottrell... Uh, summed it up pretty well after the game. I think they just took the sting out of it brilliantly. They wanted to dominate the ball. The centre-halves actually just controlled it for, from a Shrewsbury's perspective because you know when you're playing against 10, if there's turnovers, they get opportunities on the counter-attack. So they just limited that really well and and obviously added to their tally with another another couple. They've got two good frontmen at the moment. Bowman's in, in great form and is always good for a goal. So... No, fantastic result for them. And I think had they not beaten, had they not taken maximum points from these two games, I'm sure the Shrewsbury supporters would have been looking over their shoulders. So that's them, you know, done
4: and dusted for another year. He did have to change four, or he chose to change four of his back five, Paul Warren, in this game. And I think that that is important. After the midweek game, obviously they 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 sort of limped past Lincoln. Not entirely sure on the reasons why. I think there was a little bit of rotation in there. But when you change that many play that many members of a unit, I think it's a risky move. I really do. It's a shame because he's, he's kind of overloaded with good wing backs, good good centre-halves. doesn't have that same luxury up front. And I think if you're going to rotate, and we see it with other clubs, um, if you're going to rotate, I, I would much prefer to rotate the strikers, keep them fresh and firing from, from a midweek to a weekend. But, but he did it the other way round and obviously, Shrewsbury um, Shrewsbury gave them all sorts of problems. A fantastic performance from them.
1: Hey, Matt, have you seen Tyrese Fauna? Because he's getting rave reviews and he's one of your mob.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's very highly rated, I think, but difficult to break into the uh, two-time European Champions team at the moment, so we'll let him go and get some <laughs> seasoning out on low. Uh, Flo?
3: I was just going to add to what Adrian said. There was a lot of chat on, on Twitter from unhappy Rotherham fans about the fact that Og Benner and Miller didn't start the game. Um, and Paul Warren said afterwards that he'd had some medical advice from the physios, that they needed needed a rest and they definitely missed them. I think they didn't really offer as much going forward either. And I, I do think though, if you're MK Dons and and you know, that chasing pack behind Wigan, you'd kind of look at Rotherham and say You know, if Wigan overtake them, they're now only one point behind. You've got a good chance of really dragging them into the playoffs. So it's, it's definitely the wrong time to be stumbling into this bad form.
1: Shrewsbury not lost at Rotherham since 2007. Four wins and four draws. The one game they did lose, playoff final a few years ago, if everyone remembers.
2: Oh, Stinger. So, yeah, I don't know whether that makes them a bogey team or not, but we'll talk more about those later. Before we leave this game, Sam, uh, I've got a tweet of the week for you. Comes from the aforementioned Ryan Bowman. Now, there's a picture here and poor Ryan has had his shorts pulled down by what we believe to be Luke Leahy. Luckily for us and for him, he's got some long blue boxes on, uh, which really look like a pair of shorts and mean that he can smile in the picture, even though he's been embarrassed. Keep that in mind as I read the text. Good day, football emoji, sunshine emoji, shorts pulled down in celebration, uh, laughing face with mouth open emoji, laughing face with mouth open emoji at Luke Leahy. I mean, it's all about the picture really, isn't it? But the emoji use is fine, 7 out
1: of 10. I I think it's better than what we've been served up recently. I'm a bit surprised, you know, a hard Scottish number nine with that uh, amount of emojis. You know, that that does surprise me. I I think he'd be straight to the point, you know, a a lack of emoji. But yeah, at least he's he's focused on a a light moment from the game rather than uh, applauding the supporters who, of course, are going to be very jubilant with the three goals.
2: Oh, well done, Ryan. You get the parking seal of approval. Uh, now then, Wigan took advantage of that stumble by Rotherham to cut the gap between the two to just a single point, as Flo says. Uh, the Latics doing for an increasingly doom-looking Morecambe at the DW. Uh, which pundit was it Was it of us who was saying that Josh McGuinness was a
4: bit of a problem for Wigan and what Me, were they going to do with yeah. him?
2: Yes, it was Adrian Clark, and lo and behold, he scored his second goal in four days. So <laughs> probably what spurred him on.
4: Exactly. No good on him. as well. never said he was a bad player. I was just saying that okay, I get that he's holding the ball up. I get that he provides that aerial threat. But if him playing comes at the expense of a Callum Lang or a Wilkeen or, or a Stephen Humphreys, then and and we're gonna aren't winning matches, then you're gonna look at that. Um so so I stand by my my minor criticism because he wasn't doing a great deal. But yeah, it was a really good header in this match. So yeah, I was pleased for him. He did really well. And obviously Callum Lang wasn't involved in this one. So he got his, he got his opportunity. It's just, yeah, it was a convincing win, wasn't it? But probably, we we probably would have all predicted this more can Malik in a lot of goals at the moment. Wigan, I mean, this, this is one of those moments that Sam was talking about earlier. I, I dug up this stat and it's, I can't quite believe it. Wigan have only conceded six goals in the final half hour of matches this season. And that includes injury time to put that into some kind of perspective, six goals in the final half hour, the league one average, and I spent a long time over this (laughs) The league one average is 20.6 goals per team conceded in the last 30 minutes of matches. So they are pros when it comes to game management and seeing things out and finishing games strong and, you know, the, the idea of football, because it all builds to a crescendo, it builds to a climax, is that you finish games strong. So, and and, and they, do it, they do it better than most. As for Morecambe, obviously letting in way too many goals. I looked at their starting 11. Stockton, obviously approaching 20 goals. No one else in that starting 11 had got more than two. So maybe it's not the surprise of the century that they, that they struggled there.
1: Before we go any further, does everyone know that Josh McGinnis was a goalkeeper at Cardiff when he was an apprentice. Mm, yeah. I'm Especially not sure who striker, turned him into a striker, but Clarkey probably still feels he should be a goalkeeper. Going on <laughs> recent comments no, on.
4: I don't think he's rubbish. But that, what an achievement, by the way, to have the career that he's having. Mad, isn't it? When he, when he changed so late. I mean, I've known keepers football. that are decent outfield, but like not decent enough to to play pro. To um, give you the best one, Clarkey. Go on.
1: Graham Stack. Oh, yeah. Central midfield. Central midfield in the county side,
4: Graham Stack. Very, very good outfield player. Was he really?
2: Former Arsenal and Millwall goalie, was he? Millwall as well, Graham Stack. As
4: Watford's goalie coach. Yeah, incredible seed. Didn't know that.
2: Uh, Flo, what do you make of this? This is what Derek Adams said. I've just spoken with the staff. They've said it's been the story of the season, conceding from crossed balls into the box. Um, I kind of hate this Lampardian-like buck passing. All right, you've not been there long, but you're the manager. What happens is largely your responsibility.
3: Yeah. And if you've had time as well to focus on things, I think you're almost outing yourself at the same time by saying, well, then why haven't you done anything about it? <laughs> That's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? If you know exactly what the problem is. Um, Quite so, a big part of yeah. football
1: as well. Balls coming in your box, isn't
3: it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think um, he probably should have um, yeah, kept that to himself.
2: Uh, AFC Wimbledon looked on course for a first league win this year until they fell at the final furlong against Cheltenham, conceding thrice in the final 10 minutes to turn a 1-0 lead into a 3-1 defeat. I know they haven't won all year, Flo, but there are points in season where, seasons where you just think, mm, yeah, relegation, that's coming for this team and, and this kind of result is one of those, unfortunately, I think.
3: Yeah, oh, it, it, it hurts to have to say, but I really think it's looking inevitable now for Wimbledon because... This game, it really just tells the story of their whole entire season. The number of opportunities they've had to not be in the position that they are in now. And every single time they have wasted those opportunities. And we were talking about how many goals Stockton scored compared to the rest of the team. Jack Rodoni put them into the lead on on the weekend. He's only he's got eight goals. He's their highest scorer for the season, and then everyone else has got six or less. There's a real lack of goals, but then you compound that with terrible defensive issues Um, and then confidence. I mean, you'd think 10 minutes to go, uh, 1-0 up, can see it out and get a first win in 18 league games. So, I mean, talk about desperate times. And then it's just a complete collapse so quickly. So it's yet another knock in confidence. And I just don't see how they can get out of this one, because up until, you know, a week or so ago, they'd been let off by the fact that everyone around them had, ke- had c- continued to waste opportunities to leapfrog them. I mean, Morecambe, Gillingham, they'd had a number of opportunities to do it and hadn't done it. And Wimbledon were kind of clinging on desperately. Uh, but time was obviously going to run out because one of those teams was going to turn. Gillingham have now leapfrogged them, dragging them into it. And I just, I just don't see a way out because... Even if they get themselves ahead in games, they've just got zero confidence and, and they're, they, you know, they're not good on the ball at all. So any single time a team is going forward, you it's kind of heart and mouth for them. So, yeah, I really fear for them because I think it, it could be League Two, to be honest.
2: Uh, it's looking like it's four from six, right, Adrian, at the bottom, just looking at the table. You've got Fleetwood and Gillingham both on 34 points. Then the relegation zone, Wimbledon 33, Morecambe 32. Doncaster 13 and Crewe, a little cut adrift but a big gap up to 18th place Lincoln so it's probably going to go to the wire isn't it to I think which, so which yeah six.
4: I don't think there are too many surprises there I, I don't I think that Cheltenham are one of those sides that some people might have put, put in there but they've, they've been brilliant up to 12th so well played then Cambridge as well have, have, have overachieved but the others I think we all probably tipped to the struggle Crew, I, mean,
1: I can't see Plymouth there
4: all right we've moved on from that you know I've got new fans I want a
1: new manager to come on and give you a bit
4: (laughs) um yeah I don't know I think I think Doncaster's draw with Fleetwood kind of helped didn't help either did it I think Gillingham under Neil Harris feel like they might they might just pinch enough points to to escape it and so I think it's probably four from five in my opinion, Fleetwood can't keep clean sheets, can they, apart from the one they got at the weekend against Donny. Um, so, yeah, four from five in my view. Uh,
2: Abby, what are the odds saying in terms of the outrights in League One, please?
5: Well, there's a bit of a change because uh, Wigan are the uh, odds-on favourites to win the whole of League One. They are four to seven, uh, Rotherham six to four, MK Don's 14 to one. I just wanted to do a quick straw poll because I'm looking at the uh, to win the playoffs odds section. Um, straw poll, Who who's going to win the playoffs? Adrian? Oh, uh, First team that comes to
4: your mind? Who is going to win the playoffs? In you got to say Plymouth one. now. One, uh, do you know what? They've got a great chance. They've got a wonderful chance. I am going to say that oh, uh, Milton Keynes Dons. Yeah, I, I think I think MK Dons or Plymouth. I wouldn't back Oxford because they're they're poor at the back. Sunderland are flaky. And we don't know who's going to get in there out of Ipswich for Wednesday Wickham. I don't think I could back any of those. So yeah, Milton Keynes or Plymouth to go up, in my opinion.
3: Flay? I'm going to go Plymouth. I think that's fun. Plymouth's a fun answer. Mm. And Mm. Sam, who's going to win the playoffs?
4: Pre-weekend,
1: I thought Sunderland and Wickham would get in. I'm going to go for Sunderland.
3: Ooh.
5: Okay, so Paddy Power's favourites to win the playoffs are Sheffield Wednesday at 11-4. <laughs> <laughs> MK 7-2, Sunderland 4-1 to and Oxford United 9-2. to In fact, Sunderland aren't really in their lookings for the top six finish because Wigan, uh, Robert Rotherham and MK Dons are not in the odds. So Plymouth, Three to one on to be in the top six. Sheffield Wednesday eleven to four on to be in the top six, and Oxford United nine to four on. So uh, sorry, Black Cats fans, League One again for you next season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first.
2: Right, last stop, League Two.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences, like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to michelobultra.com/courtside to learn more.
5: This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis Adams.
2: In League Two, Exeter moved up to second with a 2-0 win at Oldham. They're five points off top spot. Bristol Rovers maintained their red-hot form with a 1-0 win at fellow promotion Chasers Northampton. Salford hit five against rock-bottom Scunthorpe. Carlisle earned the bragging rights in the Cumbrian derby by beating Barrow 2-1. And Steve Evans, first game as Stevenage manager, will have to wait. Their game against Mansfield postponed due to COVID. Uh, Some unsurprising news breaking from Barrow, who have sacked manager Mark Cooper. uh, He of the eight-game ban for telling a female ref that this is a man's game. Um, Not too many mourning his departure, I don't think, Sam, either Barrow-wise or otherwise. Not really a surprise, this decision.
1: Um, maybe at this stage of the season, I would say. And given that they gave him a three-year contract and considering that they lost to Carlisle, who one of the form sides in the division, but it is a bit of a derby, I suppose. So that that heightens the supporters' angst and probably makes the owners a little bit twitchy. But I'm a little bit surprised, yeah, because he, you know, was given a, a long contract. but But it's just, you know... <laughs> where do they go from here i suppose with the the few games that that remain i'm not saying that mark cooper was going to get them out of it but um it's uh, a bit of a gamble to to change for someone that comes in from the exterior um with such a a pressurized uh, pressurized last few weeks of the season um i think scoring goals you know we've spoken about that a lot today has been the issue for for barrow I haven't scored more than one in the last 13 games Um, Defensively, not bad at all. I think only seven teams had more clean sheets. So um, that's clearly not the issue. It's going the other way. And when I look at Stevenage making the change, bringing someone in who's got experience of this type of situation, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be difficult. I think Stevenage will probably gain something from getting Steve Evans in. Going to be really interested to see what, what Barrow do now.
2: Clarkie, as a, a South End loyalist, can you explain to me why uh, the early money has Phil Brown as the heavy favourite to get the gig?
4: No, <laughs> other than I <laughs> know that Phil Brown, when he first took the South End job, did it for peanuts. Like he did it almost for free. Um, he was managing at Ireland or in Irish, Irish football at the time. And he was basically, I think, ringing around all the chairmen <laughs> saying, give me a chance, I'll come. And, and in fairness, the first spell he had at South End, he was terrific. It was good football. And and it was a large it was an almost exclusively upward curve until the end. So he's not a bad manager, but he, the last couple of jobs that he's had have not gone well. But he will he will back himself, won't he? But he was, I believe, in charge when South End went out of the Football League. Um and you wouldn't want two on your C V, would you? So that would potentially be an issue for me if I was in his shoes I think they're in trouble <laughs> obviously yeah the clean sheets are great but 18 goals in open play this season from 37 games is is really alarming and I've looked at their fixtures I know Sam's a big big fan of looking looking at the run ins. it is not good for Barrow All but two matches are against teams that will regard themselves as promotion contenders. The only two matches that aren't are against Crawley, Dangerous, and Leighton Orient, Revived. They've got, I would make Barrow underdogs in every single match they have between now and the end of the season. I think they might go. Um, Oldham can catch them for sure um, no Rob Kelly of course now to take over as caretaker I know he's done that a few times he's at Wigan now so yeah who gets the gig
2: which we'll see we'll maybe have some update for you on that on Thursday's show uh, Oldham nil, Exeter 2 uh, Exeter getting their proclaimers on here 500 miles they travelled there and back to get there Flo what's the furthest you've ever done for an away day
3: oh that's a good question um I think Doncaster probably. Did you win? Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's all part of the fun, isn't it? Is this the season for him, Sam? Your old mobexter. I mean, it's the parking derby. This is seemingly every fixture from League One and League Two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it could well be ridiculous um, form. I think it's one defeat in thirteen. They're on this brilliant run at, at home as well, and I think they've got some really good-looking fixtures at, at St. James's Park that, that remain. The one concern is that they're dropping like flies a little bit. I think Nombe is going to be missing. Obviously, didn't play at the weekend. Red card for Atungana, Um A couple of other injuries picked up as well. So um, they're a little bit light right now. But um, I think this was a game that are possibly lost in previous seasons. Obviously, wonderful penalty save down to 10 men. Um, and we we're able to fashion another chance and giovanni brown after such a limp start to the season hot first half of the season in terms of goal scoring 16 12 now i think for him so they have got one of the in-form front players in the in the division um so yes up to second now momentum i've said it a few times in recent weeks yeah you, you want to be you want to be playing well right now and i think Exeter are doing that and picking up results you don't want to be stumbling over the line and getting fortuitous three points a la QPR at Luton because it's not sustainable I think Exeter are are probably the real deal now.
2: So a significant defeat for Oldham at the bottom what does that do to the relegation market in league two with Paddy Power having?
5: Well, Scunthorpe are not even in the uh, betting odds, so they are down and out, according to Paddy Power. Oldham are the next favourites to be down as well. They're 9-4 to on. Uh, and uh, Stevenage more likely to be relegated than Barrow uh, at the moment. Stevenage at 23-10 and Barrow 10-1. to uh, But we shall see if that all changes as uh, Barrow search for their new manager.
2: We shall indeed. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app is over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, now, though, before we go, after QPR lost to Posh for the third time this season, I wanted to know who's your bogey team. Flo, you can't say Peter Brothers. has got to be another one that, that QPR always struggle against. I know they don't like coming to the world-famous city ground very much.
3: Yeah, I mean, take your pick. There's quite a few, actually. Um, But I'm going to go with Fulham. Um, I mean, definitely Fulham away from home. I've only really had one enjoyable trip to Raven Cottage as a a QPR fan, and that was in 2018 uh, when we nicked a a last-minute win, and we haven't, beaten them since 2016 i think that was our last win at chrome cottage drissa silla poked one in for about two yards out lost 4-1 there this season obviously famously won six lost 6-0 there in the premier league when a delta rep left at halftime and caught a bus back home um yeah just endless endless bad memories we've struggled against against them at home as well so it's going to be fulham
2: uh, for Forrest, it is Walsall, believe it or not. What Not one in the last 13 games against Walsall, stretching back 23 years uh, that run. Sam, your former Walsall, of course, was the team you used to play against that you used, never seemingly would win against?
1: Well, I've done this a few times, I think, on the pod Hartlepool United. I do think I maybe scored a home goal for Swindon against them, but obviously the my four visits to Victoria Park yielded no points, and no goals for any of my teams. I think I remember coming out of uh, the stadium, which is right on the sea there, to be met by my uncle, who travelled down from Edinburgh for the game. And I think we'd been beaten 4-0 and I'd came on for 10 minutes. So, sorry, Uncle Al.
2: (laughs) Clarky, can you beat that tale of woe?
4: Dagenham and Redbridge for me. Dagenham and Redbridge. It was just... It never went well. I either. I had a stinker, or the team was awful, or I always felt ill. You know, I didn't feel right. And it was it was quite local, you know, when I was playing um, for Stevenage mainly. I think we had f- played four, lost four at Margate. A lot, you know, lost one, drew one. I looked at the aggregate across the six games I played against them. It was 16-4. <laughs> Dagener, not good. Mark Steen. He was uh, playing up front in those days. Sam, I remember the goalie, Tony Roberts. He was in goal. Uh, John Terry's brother. legend. Yeah, yeah, John Terry's (laughs) brother, Paul. It was just, I I just felt embarrassed every time I play. Every time I finished a match against Dagenham, Dagenham, I felt embarrassed because one of my mates played for them, Junior McDougald. It was awful. And it it extended to my time as a co-commentator locally um, on co-coms for BBC Essex. Never saw South End beat, beat Daggers. And I remember there was a game, 1 0, miserable Tuesday night. Look at Listen to some of the names that played for South End Dan Bentley, Bristol City, Ryan Leonard, Millwall, Corley Woodrow in the Championship, Freddie Eastwood was playing, Jack Payne, who's doing well for Swindon, all played. Nah, same old, same old um, Lost to Dagenham. It was absolutely miserable. <laughs>
2: Um, that was quite a depressing way to finish the pod. So instead, uh, let me just flag this tweet from Chesney Hawks, who uh, in response to a request has said, good luck to everyone at Sutton United. Here's to raising the Papa John's trophy, exclamation mark CX. I think that's an errant C there, but we'll we'll forgive him. That is the one and only mistake in the tweet, he might say. He might uh, get we'll a game
1: back. if he's got a pair of boots. <laughs>
2: Uh, we'll be back on Thursday where we'll look ahead to the best of the weekend's action and round up what happened in League One and League Two in Midweek. Join us for that if you can. Until then, it's bye for now.
5: You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything totally by heading to at The Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production.
1: The Athletic